another episode of The Punt. The, the first episode was a big success. People loved it, so it's great to be back on the couch. We've got the great Darren Flindell, um, Sydney's number one race caller. Delighted to have you here. Looking forward to having a good Welcome yarn Darren. with you. Yeah. Yeah, thanks, guys. It's uh, great to be here. Looking forward to this. Yeah, yeah it should be good. Fun. Um, and then we've got uh, Jai down the end, one of the content dudes. Um, Straight Bat, another one of the content dudes for Wolfden. Then we've got Dream Team. How you going? Um, one, one of the best sorts in racing, um, <laughs> amongst other things. Only you say Debatable. that. No one agrees nah, with it. No, Crookie, Crookie, Crookie agreed with it. He was okay. okay with it. Do you reckon there's something between, you know, is there something going on? Or between me and him? Attraction or no way. Are you no. concerned? Possibly. We're looking for a sex symbol at still You still haven't ended up on racing creeps yet. I, no one's commented on your photos. Yeah, I've avoided racing creeps <laughs> so far. Every, every that time that... Uh, that uh, handle <laughs> post something new. I'm like, don't be me, don't be me. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen that handle, racing creeps? No. No, neither no. have I. We're, yeah. no. We're not like these young blokes. Sort of gone yeah. straight yeah. over. Yeah. You, yeah. you don't want to be on it, basically. It's oh, like, good. It's no, it's oh, no good. Yeah. <laughs> Rightio, moving along. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, so why don't we start just getting a bit of background where you started. So I did my research and I listened to your podcast with Tappy from a couple of years back, which I really enjoyed. And I like the story about how basically you got started on the path to becoming a race caller. It had to, to do with a, um, an English assignment you put in at school where you got 100%. You want to <laughs> tell us that story again? Yes, that was um, all done at Leichhardt Oval. A uh, mate of mine, he was a Sharks fan. I was Balmain Tigers back in that era. And um, we took our tape recorder out. We sat on the hillside pretty much right on the, on the fence and we just... We just called the game. It was a little bit of a rip-off of the Greg Hartley, Peter Peter style of calling on 2 When's this? This is like early 80s. This is about 84. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I think we were 15 or so. And anyway, we, we really enjoyed it. The teacher was impressed because the, the concept was you had to do something original. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that, that certainly fitted the bill. And she was that impressed, our English teacher, we got the, the 100%. So that was sort of the first little in of getting a taste for it. Yeah, and so what? And that just sort of made you think I... So how old are we then, what, 14 or 15 or something? Yes. Right? And you were then like, we'd, um, we'd do school concerts where we're sort of impersonating teachers and doing little skits and I, I did one with another mate of a, a phantom race call involving yeah. all the teachers. So we had all the names written on a chalkboard and the prices and my mate was doing the – he was impersonating Ken Callender. Yeah. And I was there with my headset as John Tapp and we'd call the race and there was you know, little puns there having little – succinct digs at different teachers and uh, that became a big hit. <laughs> yeah, right. That's awesome. That's awesome. And um, the t- teachers were all into racing and stuff, were they, back then? Some of them were. Yeah. And uh, when we first started going to the races, particularly on Wednesdays, because yeah. sometimes you get really sick. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've got to – I'm not well, I've got to go. And, and then, it was a free-for-all back then. Like if you go to the – you know, you go to the sick bay at the school, they go, right, I just go home. Like, you wouldn't. That's right. What kids got away with back then, you can't get away with now, can so you? We just got yeah. the 493 straight to Canterbury Race Course. Yeah, awesome. From, <laughs> from Kingsgrove North. And, but the problem was, some of our teachers were working as bookie clerks, bookies <laughs> clerks as well. <laughs> <laughs> but, but weren't you sweet because they yeah. should have been at school anyway? So well, they're, they're, they're looking and say, you don't say anything, I won't that's say right. anything. Yeah. But uh, anyhow, there's a bit of, and you could do that at Canterbury back then because there'd be thousands there on a Wednesday. So you'd sort yeah. of just go in a yeah. certain section where you know you, you wouldn't get caught. Yeah, and I, I want to sort of look into that a bit because for this generation watching this, like, it's all online. There's basically no on-course ring left anymore. And I think people want to know a bit about what it was like back then. So I started the races in 1997 and I sort of saw the end of the on-course rings. It was still pretty busy, pretty vibrant. There was no online. Um, can you tell us a bit about – so when you got to Canterbury in the mid-'80s on a Wednesday and you were you know, a t- teenager, how many bookies were there in the ring then? Oh, numbers-wise, oh, would have been at least 50. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And like, today you'd get like, seven or eight if you're lucky. And like, they're all just there because they've got nothing else to they do. They were sort of lined all the way behind the grandstand. They were lined up, mostly that was the rail section, from one end to the other end. And then on the other side, where the old administration building is, oh, they'd be lined up everywhere. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So at least... Yeah, because you had like the rails and then the outer and then the ledger and yes. all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so all the tickets written crayon on the old card, piece yeah. of cardboard and you'd get it and you'd say, well, what the hell is that? Yeah, um, no idea what if, it is. Particularly yeah. if you've had two bets in one race, yeah, you, you don't know what, yeah. which, one's, yeah. which yeah. one's the live ticket. Um, and turnover would have been really strong. It was, was yeah, but the, so the ring was really buzzing. There was money flying everywhere. Yeah. I found that was, a, that was a, an era I'm so glad I was a part of because going to the races then, you would spend the bulk of your time 
in the betting ring, mm. uh, yeah. you know, in the 15 minutes leading up to the Sydney race. And then when Sydney's over, you'd be having a, a bet in Melbourne or, or Brisbane. Mm. And it was just the, all the banter that would go on as well, like punters just communicating, you know, what do you like? Great here? characters, and, right? Yeah, exchanging opinions. Yeah. And, and the banter with the bookies is always great as well. Yeah, um, yeah. So yeah. that's sort of... Yeah, we've that, lost that a lot. That was a part of that era, which yeah. was just magnificent. Now yeah. people just seem to go to the track to, to get on the drink and yeah. have a good time. And, good. Yeah. and who were the big bookies back in those days that you remember? Oh, okay. So um, Conlon and Cafetaris, um, Singh, Arthur Singh. Um, well, it's... Reed, Mark Reed was he? Mark Reed. Yeah. Um, Conlon... Well, yes. You would have like Bill Hurley, Harry Barrett would have been pretty big back then. Yes, yeah, that, that, and that's then, right. Were... Like Bob Bland, was he a big bookie back then? Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah there you go. Yeah, it was... Uh... And so could you easily walk up and get on like bet to win 50, 100,000, you think? It was big betting like that? It seemed that way. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It was well beyond my budget, of course. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm <Yeah>. just 15. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I was lucky to get the bets on but because I was... Of our group of friends, I was the tallest and sort of looked the mm. oldest. So quite often I was the one that had to go and place all the bets at the total. Yeah. The bookies didn't seem to care. Yeah. Just the total, yeah. be a little bit careful. Yeah, right. Yeah, interesting. Cool. So moving on from that, so then you leave school and then you spent quite a lot of time at, at the dogs. Yeah, Is that sort of where you got your grounding in, in race yes. calling and stuff? And I yeah. think a lot of people do. Well, particularly back then, you, you sort of had to get your experience with the greyhounds and... Yep. I loved it. The, the first job I got was doing the on-course announcing it at Harold Park when the dogs were still running there. I went through the Max Rowley Radio School. Yeah. And he sort of had the... Is that con- still around? Um, I don't think so. Yeah. Uh, but so, when you hear so many voices on the radio these days, chances are they went through his school because he had so mm. many contacts. Mm. And for me, that was getting his contacts to get that job doing the announcing it, it went worth Harold Park and then mm. Wentworth Park because it just one thing led to another uh, yeah. from there on. And so that, that job was just saying moving out on the track for race two, won the red is blah, blah. And then uh, car ABC 516, uh, <laughs> yeah. you left the lights fuck. on. Um, <laughs> yeah, so real, right. So you weren't actually calling, you were just announce, yes. more uh, an announcer. Kind and of then I was able to build the contacts to get some calling work. Mosvale yeah. uh, was the first track that was I your worked first, at. And I yeah. actually worked there for a long time because I just enjoyed it so much. Yeah. 21 races on a day. There was eight wow. in the morning, 13 in the afternoon. Um, 250% bookie- markets uh, for all races. That was. <laughs> but there were many, a lot of bookies there, though. There like, was eight, eight when yeah. I started, and I think right up to the end they still had seven. And it, it, there's no because one died. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it, it, it no longer exists, Mossvale Dogs, does it? No, it became defunct uh, around 2004. Yeah. Or something like that, which is a shame. Yeah. And they've done nothing with it. It's like Barrel, obviously, right? That's where yes, Mossville is yeah, here in that area. right on the intersection as you drive into, well, between Barrel and, and Mossville, but it's some people stop past and send a photo to me now. It's yeah. just gra- grass is six foot high. They've done yeah. nothing with it. That's uh, a shame. Yeah. So if they wanted to make a comeback, they could. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Might happen. Because Bong Bong's near there too, you know, they have the yes. Bong Bong races. That's a good one. Hey, we should buy it. Wolf, Wolf Dam Greyhound track. <laughs> I like yeah. that. Yeah. You guys can host your Randy Pete's race there or something like that. <laughs> yeah, now the, uh, the, the gift, the Randy Pete's gift down, down the yeah. straight, which Darren's called before actually. Yeah. It's, uh, two years in a row, right? Yeah, it's you're, a, two you're the caller. That's a grade cricket. Great cricket club. You yeah, do the, uh, down at Kudjio, we got a Scully Vodka Cruiser and then run. And um, yeah, if you if you look me up on Instagram, you'll be able to watch the video. <laughs> and is there heats yeah. and stuff? And oh no, nah, just one race. But Darren right. calls it, so he's called Everest. And he's called TJ Smiths. He's called all all types of races. And the, uh, the Randy Pete's gift. gift. It's been riddled with controversy on both occasions. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. How'd you go? <laughs> Uh, I don't run. I'm in charge. Eddie, Eddie Otto broke down last year. He almost had to pull out the green screen. From Tragic scenes. <laughs> <laughs> Eddie hit the deck hard and uh, oh, no. uh, that hammy was in a bad way, wasn't it, for Ooh, quite some did time. His hammy, did he? It looked like it was broke, snapped in two. Yeah, like sniper, sniper, full sniper. sniper. So you can <laughs> see it like, in, like curled up under the skin and stuff. Oh, he, just, he went down, he went down. Yeah. Anyway. anyway. Is, he did the best preparation. He was warming up for at least an hour. <laughs> yeah. just went too hard. Yeah. I, I think any men over 25, shouldn't, if they don't run, they shouldn't run anymore. They shouldn't be allowed to sprint because like, it just never never goes yeah. well. I think that's something that we learned from, from this exercise as well, yeah. doing the, the gift, yeah. <laughs> we had a few injuries. Very good. Um, it, I, would yes. just, I would just want to think, did you add a bit of spice to you, you know, your announcing? Did you 
show a bit of um, flair with it to get noticed with your announcing it at Harold Park or was it just straight down the line? Uh, it was pretty much straight down the line in the early days. Yeah. Yes, trying not to uh, get noticed too much. Yeah, <laughs> stay in your lane, so to speak. But you obviously yeah. got noticed enough, I suppose. I yeah. think as time goes on, you get more confidence. You start to have a bit more fun in the in the calls. So what what year was this when you were at Harold? So you actually – and you did call the trots at Harold Park and stuff? Um I used to go there and practice my calling a lot as well when they had a spare broadcast box yep. in the back straight. Yep. So I would go practice calling at Canterbury Races, Harold Park Trots and Harold Park Dogs yeah. Uh, yeah. as well because yeah. you could sort of get the, the space there and just, just build up the experience and then was sending cassette tapes around to other commentators, radio stations, the newspapers and, yeah, I was just waiting for that initial break but mm. there was a lot of hard work involved um, you couldn't just yeah. turn up and get it. Yep. Um, you yep. had to earn your stripes. Yeah. Yeah. And once again, just going the the bookie fraternity at Harold Park and Wentworth Park then, it would have been huge back then. Oh, well, yeah, Wentworth Park dogs, the bookies were upstairs and yeah. sorry, downstairs. So would you have 50 there? 50? Oh, yeah, it was packed. Yeah. yeah. Amazing. I never saw that. Even it was on the way out when I started working at the dogs and stuff in 1997. It was probably maybe 10 or 15. But and I mean, Wentworth Park, uh, they rebuilt it when they built that. New grandstand mm. there. That's just about the time I started, and it wasn't finished yet when I first started. So all the bookies were in the back straight. They're all packed in. Yeah. The atmosphere there was just unbelievable. Yeah, mm. yeah it would have been good. Yeah, like, and most of it was most of the bookies that worked at the races during the day as well. Yeah, uh, backed up in the night. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, um, yeah, very good, very good. Um, so you were at Harold Park and and stuff, and did you? Before you went to Hong Kong, you weren't actually calling races, is that right, in, in Sydney? You sort of – is that correct? You hadn't yeah, called I was, many? I sort of – I joined Sky Channel full-time in 1995 and they wanted me more as a presenter. Yep. I started doing a tipping show at night on the dogs and trots and then other greyhound shows, trotting shows, and all of a sudden I wasn't doing any calling. Yeah. And it was really starting to, to frustrate me because – I really the only thing in life I really wanted to be as a race caller. Yeah, I was very grateful to get these gigs doing TV shows, but yeah, after a few years, just the itch to call, and then the the offer came up to go to Hong Kong. Yeah, to do half 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 presenting and, and half calling. Yeah, and Wayne Wilson at the time was the one that put my name forward for it. Right, which I was <coughs> considering we'd never met. I was quite yeah. pleased about yeah. that, and yeah, that was a real turning point. So uh, this is what, late Kong. 90s, is it? Yeah, it was 99. Right, so you went over to Hong Kong and who was the head race caller in Hong Kong at that time? Was it David Raphael? Yes, yeah. Right. David Raphael had been the key caller there for a few years when I got there. Yep. So he was doing the all the all basically all the weekend meetings up until 2006 and then he moved on and then I was able to inherit the number one gig after that. Yeah, so 2001 you were, got the full-time gig. Uh, yeah, so 2006. 2006, yes. okay, cool. The year um, Takeover Target was there and was a late late scratching on the morning. Right, oh, is that what? Really? Wow, wow, okay. And so Hong Kong is it's interesting because it just seems very alluring to a lot of Australian racing participants and I've never really understood why. I mean, I understand it's the money factor and you can make a lot of money. Can you just tell us a bit about the money but then also to the lifestyle over there? Like I hear things that advantages to being over there is that there's not as many horses and the lifestyle for trainers and jockeys is a lot easier because we have wall-to-wall racing here, so it, it has its benefits, but then it's a big takes a big toll on jockeys, trainers and all that kind of stuff. Is I'd that... say the, the last couple of years would have been horrible uh, yeah. for the participants over yeah. there because the, the best part about Hong Kong is the, the social atmosphere. Yeah. You know, they're going out to restaurants, bars yeah. and you know, just that Cycling Chinese scene. meals. Succulent, <laughs> yes. So that all that all came to a stop. But and I it's still it's still got like you saw the news the other day. Huey Bowman can't go this weekend or something because he's. Do you guys see that close contact of? Yeah, he's a close contact, so he's not not allowed to. So he's a um, close contact fly. of someone who's got COVID in Australia, right? And mm-hmm. he's not allowed to fly to Hong Kong. Is that correct? Uh, I don't know whether he, he got there on maybe someone on the plane. I'm not sure yet. Because Zach right. Burton got it. Maybe yeah. he's having dinner with Zach. Right. Okay. I don't yeah. Know. Maybe maybe I only. Glance the story, but it's interesting that there's yeah, still... but basically in Australia, if you're a close contact, it's just like play make on. sure you got nothing, play yeah. on, yeah, over there. there. It's like, yeah, he's ruled out as well. Did you had you caught up with that news? No, I had to yeah. actually know. Yeah. So he had a full book of news. rides, yeah, yeah. So, but it's so sort of talking to your point, like it's still ongoing over there, like they're still 
you know, I mean, China, yeah, China got what seems to be crazy policies around COVID still. Like one person in an office, there's 10,000 people in an office building, one person tests positive for COVID and they quarantine the entire building. So. The, <coughs> the, the density of everything in Hong Kong, that, it makes it more difficult there because obviously it's so much easier to contract. Yep. Everyone's mm. using public transport yeah. to get to and from work and the streets are just jam-packed with mm. pedestrians. But um, there's, there's many good years in, in Hong Kong mm. and it's, it's a funny situation there because the vast majority of uh, jockeys and trainers, the overseas ones, all live at Sha Tin, actually right. on the race course, right. which can have its advantages and disadvantages if there's a blow-up yeah. <coughs> among certain jockeys or their families. Yeah. That could create a lot of tension. Mm. And were you, where did you live? I lived in Happy Valley which was near our, our headquarters. Yeah, and, and were just, you given accommodation by the race club and stuff? Yes, yep. yes, and it was, it was actually quite good. And it was, a, it was a fun time because basically everyone that lived in this building were in broadcasting or were the traders, mm -hmm. uh, were the football. Um, right. The, the soccer traders. So they run the books for the jockey club? Yes. Taking bets on the, on the soccer? Yeah, once the, the fixed odds betting started on the, on the soccer, they had to yeah. employ... The young traders to come yeah. from Australia and, and the UK typically. Yeah, right. So it was a good fun atmosphere in the building that we lived in. Late night parties and card games and yeah, uh, yeah it was it was <laughs> a good like, atmosphere. Sounds like bliss. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Awesome. Um, and then so the the money's really strong for jockeys and trainers over there, is it? Is it they get? I mean, I heard Zach saying that if he's talking about James McDonald, I've talked about this in another podcast, but saying that if James McDonald wants to make real money, he should go and do a couple of seasons in Hong Kong. So why is the money so much better? Is it just because the prize money of each race is better or how does it, how does I it work? I think the model <clears throat> that they've, they've got there is, well, the, the turnover, they get to keep it all, uh, the jockey club. So there's no sort of outside people they've got to share it with as yep. well, other than their, um, their charity contributions, yep. but all the money goes back into the industry. And... Prize money there's always been very high. Yeah. Because turnover's always been very high. And so, so what a standard race on a Saturday what or a Sunday usually they're on, what what would uh Oh So what, what um, are we at, on a Saturday at the moment? What, what is it like hundred and twenty five per race? Is that what? Hundred and twenty five thousand per race in Australia, in yes. Sydney? That's a Saturday standard race, right? Well now we've we've gone to one fifty. We're one fifty, are we? Yes. So what would a standard race on a Sunday be in um, Hong Kong? To be honest, it, the the Sydney prize money now is getting pretty close mm. to your standard race in Hong Kong. Yeah. Like when I left eight years ago, there was a huge difference to it, but now there's there's not much between it on a Saturday. Yeah, mm. yeah, it's great. Yeah, um, very good. And then the, the other thing that's quite fascinating about Hong Kong, which you might know nothing about, is but you, if you do, it'd be great. Is the syndicates that run over there? The the um, obviously there'd be the Jelco syndicate that that operate big over there, and then I, I believe Dr. Nick syndicates. I think I heard a rumor that they're the biggest players in Hong Kong at the moment. And then there's been many other syndicates that have come and gone over the years. Did you have anything to do with them, you know, just in Not, get to know them and stuff? I, sometimes you'd randomly uh, meet people at night uh, when you're out in Wan Chai and that that work for the syndicates. And yep. it's always intriguing hearing their, their side of it. Uh, mm. Those that are doing the form and the track work, everybody playing their little part yeah. in, in the success of those syndicates. And it really opened my eyes up too to just how, how big it is yeah. and really how much yeah. the jockey club rely on, on, those syndicates, on their they? income. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And we'd always be – sometimes you'd see these last-minute plunges come up and you'd mm -hmm. hear, as commentators would say, oh, the, the, the board's just gone brown. Yeah. And when it goes brown, that's significant money. Yeah, yeah, like I it, see it all the time. Like, be backing a horse at $8 going, this is good, 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 and then it'll win and pay three sixty. and you're like, well, what just happened? You know, that's like, right. Yeah, the, the goes are just massive. And because there's no fixed odds betting over there, you don't have yeah. an option to Well, that's like early. for me who've been used to – an option of total betfair or fixed odds to get my head around backing a horse and not knowing what price you're going to get like it's crazy like mm. that's why it's sort of it'll never catch on in australia because punters like me have just been used to fixed odds and seeing what you're going to get like yeah i mean you you've been doing it yourself like how crazy is it yeah. backing a horse and the price changes it must do your head in it does and it's just completely dominated by the you only remember the ones at firm but the syndicates are so powerful <laughs> and big as you say they're looking at going at the moment the public think this is eight dollars we actually market 290 mm. we'll, we'll smash it into pay three dollars 30 mm. that's and that's how much advantage they have over the public 
that they're that confident in their price. So they just, and they just dump um, the money and, and make it pay three sixty or whatever it is. Did you just mention then that the the boys in the syndicate they pay they pay attention to the track work? Like for those who don't know, Hong Kong Jockey Club um, published track work times, and I mean. Mm. They even had little comments from what I saw, worked yes. around. Like and they had TV chest. shows as well devoted purely to track work. That's crazy. Yeah. So uh, every, basically every night they will show you the highlight clips. of um, Any horse that, say, works on a Monday that's running on the weekend, they'll make sure that they show that wow. track yeah. work gallop. And I used to love watching that. Mm. If yeah. I made the time to do it, um, like... Obviously, a lot of horses are just working well or they're working nicely, but the ones I liked was when something, I thought, geez, there's something wrong with this or it's, yeah. you know, it's, it's just not stretching out well, it's right. not moving well. And that's, and that's great. Like that is what separates Australia's format of betting to Hong Kong. Like you could either have the less is more approach where you can watch the track work and really get into like the two, two days you're going to bet per week. You can set yourself for that mm. and that's super exciting. You turn over a lot. <coughs> Or you apply the Aussie version where there's three re- meetings a day at least. Go mad. The reason mad. That's why Australian players are mad. They all get sent mad by the amount of racing. Well, you don't have time to like... Everyone in Hong Kong's happy. They look good. Everything's good here. Everyone's just that. <laughs> yeah, they got five days a week to be good family yeah. men and then the other two days they can instead... Time on the golf course as well, stuff yeah, like that. golf course time. Is it time to move to Hong Kong, dream oh, time? Sounds like it. <laughs> <laughs> if you could rather go to Vegas or Hong Kong, where would you go? To live? Yeah. What, where would you go? Darren wouldn't know Vegas that. is great for a week. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so you think Vegas would defeat you? You wouldn't? Oh, I'm never going to Vegas I'd again. It take too many no years off my there, life, yeah. I reckon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I had a great time there 10 years ago when I was single, but there's no business for me there now. Was, uh, was there any business when you were there single? <laughs> a little bit. Something? <laughs> Something? Back in the day? You know, every, yeah, everyone has a bit of luck in Vegas, somewhere or another. <laughs> um, and... So racing in Hong Kong, is it easily the biggest pastime amongst the community there? Is it, would you say like, so AFL is massive down in Melbourne. To give it context, is racing bigger in Hong Kong than AFL is down in Melbourne? Yes. Yeah, so it's huge. But um, by the same token too, they love the, the English soccer. Right. Uh, EPL. Yeah. And even, even before the legalised betting started on that, all the pubs late at night with the time difference, they'd be mm. up to three in the morning you know, watching the, the big games there. Yep. But with the racing, you find, um, so the Wednesday, the fields come out nine o'clock Monday morning by about three in the afternoon, all the big form guides are out on the street, street stands and everyone's lining up to buy their, their mm. form guides. Mm. Monday <laughs> night, everyone's ripping into their Happy Valley form. Yeah. Um, I think it's because there's... It's just the racing, betting on the soccer yeah. and the equivalent of the lotto twice yeah. a week. And that's the only legal gambling. Mm. Obviously, there's, there's ways around it all now. Mm. But uh, back in that era of the early 2000s, there wasn't. That's, that's all you had. Mm. And so a question that you can answer for both Hong Kong and Australia, did you do the form and bet when you're in Hong Kong and do you do the form and bet now that you're in Australia? Yes, yes, yes. Yes to both. Yes. Awesome. <laughs> yes. It's a strong, a strong yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes, without any doubt. Um, I mean, if you're not having a bet on the racing when you're working, it's just not as much fun. Yeah. So how do you handle that, though, when, you've, when you're – how do you stay partial to when you're calling and not, not be watching your horse and get – you just work out how to do it? I sort of find <clears throat> me having a bet on the race isn't going to change the result in any way yeah. as long as I'm – not coming across biased or yeah. focusing on individual runners too much. I mean, yeah. obviously, if you're on something, you give it a bit of oomph. So you were so obviously, obviously on Chautauqua when it won the TJ Smith. No, run. I wasn't. No, right. I, wasn't. No, I was on in- English. Really? Yes. Wow. English yeah. comes off heels and the Mary's starting to let down. <laughs> <laughs> um, I know you had a running battle with Ice Bath for a while there, didn't you, Darren? You were, you were, you were looking to, to find a win there for a while. Yes, I was, I was a believer in the early days uh, <laughs> and was getting very frustrated um, with, with some of her defeats because she should have been winning these races. But as time's gone on, I think that did me a favour because I just I got out. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm not one of these punters that says, keeps giving them chance after chance after yeah. chance, maybe two and then that's it. I think that's fair. So just to finish off the whole Hong Kong thing, um, so you obviously had a magnificent time over there. Do you, is it... Do you look back on it sort of the best years of your life? Was that 
Was it that good or was yeah, it? Yeah, it's, <clears throat> it was good from a, um, from a professional point of view, mm. definitely. And also I like the fact that Hong Kong was almost the gateway to the world. Yes, you do and a lot of travelling. when racing finishes, um, say the 1st of July, you've got a good five or six weeks. You can yeah. – I typically buy a round-the-world ticket each year and try and go to different places. Yeah, brilliant. So it's a, it's a real grind for ten and a half months, but when that six weeks mm. comes up, it's, it's a chance mm. to really explore the world. And, and everywhere's so close from there. Yeah. I mean, any of my favourite places, nowhere was like further than four hours. Yeah, yeah. Uh, around Asia. Yeah. Now you want to go on a holiday to Asia – The Closest is Bali and it still takes six and a half hours. That's, that's your limit, right? Yeah, that's your max distance, yeah. Yeah, unless you can get that exit row. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. exit rows are great. Um, yeah, so why the decision – so you came back – was it 2015 you came back to Australia? Yes. Yeah. yeah the, um, I think working at the jockey club, it does have its use-by date. Mm. And even Hong Kong, you could just sense the political – Changes sure, coming yeah. uh, in 2013 or so, the, these little protests, which is probably yeah. just a, a mini run to the big ones that, that followed, you could just see that the youth in Hong Kong were not happy yeah. the changing dynamic of China taking control mm. of Hong Kong. And you could just sense that the good days are just about over. Mm. And you know, with the jockey club, I'd been there long enough, but it, I had to wait until the right job mm. came up in Australia. What's, what's going to be best? Yeah. And then it was October 2014, Matt Hill contacted me privately, mm. said, just to give you a heads up, I'll be handing my resignation in soon. It looks like I'll be calling football in Victoria. Mm. So I thought, right, so mentally I'm preparing myself. Yeah, that'll be great. I'll come and take over from Matt. That'll be, that'll be brilliant. Mm. And between that time to when I actually finally signed a contract or had one presented to sign, things changed. Dramatically, mm. TVN collapsed. Yeah. And then um, the Thoroughbred Central channel opened and everything sort of changed a bit. So it was an unexpected bonus for me because I'd already arranged to come back probably for a much lesser role. Right. Um, <clears throat> so the timing was perfect. Yeah. And, uh, and I, was, I was very happy to come back. Was, yeah, right. Was ready, so well, well and truly ready. Time to come home. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Um, so then, yeah, so what are we now? Six or seven years on from that. So... Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about preparation you do for, for calling a day, day of the races. So let's just say Everest day just gone. What couple of questions, what does a day look like for you on a Saturday? Obviously you've, you've got to be on your game that day because there's a lot of pressure on you and that kind of thing. So do you, you – know, what, what do you do in preparation in the morning? Just take it easy and whatnot, do some exercise, whatever. And then also during the day do you just – keep yourself and stay in the race caller's box and stay away from other people and, and stuff like that? I do, um, only because it's too risky going up and down the lift because um, there's only one lift at these tracks, so <laughs> exactly. if there's a problem there, then there's a big problem being <laughs> the only caller there now. Yeah. Back in the day, <clears throat> there'd always be two of you up there, so it wouldn't be so critical. Yeah. Um, so the day, basically, you get up at 7.30, just... What about, the, what about the night before? How the, how, how many drinks? When? When? No, you no, 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 no drinking. Oh, no drinking. I always the night go before. easy the night before. Very In good. fact, I'd, I'd so rather you, not go out unless yeah. there's a special occasion. Yeah, mm -hmm. right. I so think yeah, you do. You if you it's a birthday, it has to be a significant zero or a yeah. one. <laughs> <laughs> I think. I think I've only seen you at the Doncaster on a Friday night twice. I reckon. In in the last in the last five or six years, there you go. But generally, I go to that that party good. they put on the night before the country championship. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, they they want me to do a phantom call for them. So it's mm -hmm. sort of obliged to, to be there in a way. But yep. yeah, I always go easier the night before. My form's done the day before. Yep. And so you do your own form and... Yes. And can you just talk a little bit about that? Um, what, what do you... you okay. As, uh, as much as you're happy to say, what kind of tools do you use? And I use you, I use the best bets. Yep. I like the format and I like the font. As yep. you get older, the eyesight's <laughs> not so good, but it's easy to read. The King's um, Zone. The King's Zone's big on... <laughs> Big on clear uh, writing. Yeah. Yeah. I sort of sit down, write all the prices down, then sort of do my own little speed map. Yep. Then um, just watching a few replays of the key runners. I'm big on the barrier trials. Yep. Um, and are you doing all this to bet off and win or are you doing this to make you call races better? Well, it it goes sort of both ways because yeah. I'm sort of – I'm going through and now I'm understanding each race has got a feel to it. I know their names or with the best bets you've got the colours in there as well. Then if I'm watching a trial of a horse I've never seen before, just hearing its name mentioned 
in, in a trial call, all of a sudden now it's mm -hmm. something that resonates as opposed to just trying to remember it yeah. uh, with, without any knowledge of it. So I, I find doing the form from that, that, that sort of angle helps a lot on race day. So I turn up and I'm pretty much prepared. Yeah, you're in the zone. Yeah. Then it's... You're in the story. Yeah. Uh, on race day, for instance, my toughest race is the highway. Yeah. Because quite often I don't know them. Mm. And, uh, and there's big fields. Yeah. And around we got, I can't actually see the horses until they move out onto the track. Yeah. And sometimes the cap colours might be different to what's in the book and that can create a yeah. big problem. And even I the shade of colour can often be different. Like a, the red that they put in a race book can be very different to the red that's on the jockeys. Yes. Sometimes. And one set of colours I always struggle with, happy clapper. Okay. Those colours <laughs> are just so close to the Godolphin, Godolphin. colours from a distance. Yeah. Yeah, right. And there's numerous times when I was calling Happy Clapper and there'd always be a Godolphin runner in the race. I had to look so carefully just to make sure I'm <laughs> on the right one, looking for markings on the horse's head or something yeah. like that. The likes of Cascading was brilliant. Yeah. Mm, um, big but, white nose. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, but sort of identifying in advance what the problems might be with similar colours. Yes. So I'm not caught by surprise on race day. So and, a highway – sorry, Manico. Do you get filthy on yourself if you make mistakes? Like how do you, do you review yourself when you – you know, post-race, how how hard yeah. are you? Particularly sometimes you call a race and then you hear the replay and you think, oh, geez, I had no idea I even did that. Mm. I, yeah. I made a blue there and I had no idea I was even mm. doing it. But you get, you get told right on Twitter and that they let yes, you know pretty that, quickly. That's what Twitter's well, all that's, about, right? That's the funny thing. Normally <laughs> Twitter will let you know immediately. Is Twitter nicer to you these days, do you feel? Oh, much better now than yeah. oh, the early days. was yeah. It's horrible. Yeah. Just, sometimes just turn the phone off because yeah. you... If a mistake's been made, okay, it's been made. Um, talking about it now is not going to improve the situation. Yeah. I've just got to make so sure. So it's improved a lot, has it? That's good to know. Yeah, yeah. I think overall. Yeah. yeah. How about, Darren, if you don't see one coming, is there a certain line or anything like that that you throw in if you don't see them coming? <laughs> just to buy some time or something. <laughs> I'll let, I'll, let you, I'll let you go with that. Looking for chopper rescue. Re we'll, we'll reveal it to well our fans here. That change complexion. <laughs> change complexion. <laughs> you always got that in your back pocket, do you? <laughs> No, uh, let's just – he gives me a bit of stick over that. Um. <laughs> where, where they're launching from the – if he doesn't see one coming, that, that race changed complexion quickly. Yeah. Gee. <laughs> We've got a, a, wow. super, a super fan in the office here. Yeah. <laughs> boy. Stalking. Um, yeah, so just – so sticking with Everest Day. So there would have been the highway championship that day, right? But what, my question is when do you start learning all the colours of the horses for the races? Do you, on the day or like – I'd just, say – the, the day before, typically, not not all of them, but, um, yeah, on the race day, probably 15 minutes before, I'll just quickly actually get the race book now because those colours are pretty accurate mm. in the yep. actual race card. Just make sure that's how I remember them or the way it sort of looked yep. in the best bets, for instance. Yeah. Yeah, so just re really on the day, just refresh it all. Doing the form every week is obviously great for you, isn't it? Because like, you've been building up this knowledge for like two years and all these horses, their colours, their styles and all that sort of stuff. And that's obviously what you wouldn't have had when you first came back to Australia to have to call Metro. So that's saying, right. yeah, doing the form is going to help you a lot. When you didn't know yeah. any of the names, yeah. and it's just they, yeah. they mean nothing. Yeah. It doesn't stick in your head. It was, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's when you make a lot of mistakes because it's – Pressure was enormous. It's almost yeah, compulsory right. to punt. You know, it's like yeah. it, you have to do it. There's no well, uh, there's no other right. option. <laughs> it's uh, for educational purposes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we need to be good. in here for a day on the punt. We have good fun in here, so we should get you in one day. The dogs tomorrow night. The dogs. Dogs. Yeah, we're doing a. Um, we've got a thing called Wolfden University, and we're um, trying to sort of help educate people on how to bet a bit better and stuff. And so we're doing it the first night tomorrow night on uh, the, the dogs. There's four of us, Jai's one of them, we're all, we've all picked a meeting and we're going to try and do the form. We're doing the form in a way so that people at home can follow along. And can you give Jai some tips on how to do dog form? Stop backing back markers. Yeah. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> they will let you down every time. It's all about, it's all about the jump, isn't it? That's it is. You must yeah. find the leader. Yeah, yeah. Sweet, sweet. Find the leader, find your money. Um, and Sweet Caroline at Everest, <laughs> was that pretty, pretty amazing to watch? Did you get this... This year, you, did you get to watch it? Well, they, we were, were, in the they were a little bit worried that I might interrupt it. <laughs> he's, he's this this year was better than last year, wasn't it? <laughs> so they decided to play it before the race this time. So you just accidentally got involved. You just didn't realise it was being sung at the time. This oh, is... I could hear it, but it was going on for some time. And oh, You were I, like, I've got something to say. It's, it's my natural instinct. The phone rings correct, wait, and I just 
hit the button immediately yeah. correct weight because yeah. everyone's waiting for it. So <laughs> I wasn't really... I wasn't aware that this was still going on. Yeah. Uh, but it was, it was quite the party. And I think it's the first time they... They played this week, Caroline, there. It was quite mind-blowing just how popular it was. It goes off, doesn't I mean, it? This, I mean, it, it's this the best. song was released the year I was born. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hot, it's a Hot August Night, wasn't it? Is that what it's from? Um, Neil Diamond, Hot August Night, I think. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it is. You're looking at the wrong person. Yeah. <laughs> um, cool. And then we can sort of segue into – so Everest has obviously been a huge success. What are your thoughts on how the game's going? Um, well, I've seen a year has gone past. Even when I got here in 2015, I think a lot of races were going around on um, Wednesdays, Saturdays with no third dividend, mm. um, quite small fields. Well, the number sizes have increased substantially yep. in, in that period of time. So it's obviously it makes it a, a better betting form when you've got at least fields of 10 or 12 yep. going around and mm. quite often even bigger than that. Well, the prize money hasn't stopped escalating. Mm. Um, from a media point of view, um, being able to watch races in high definition, mm. being able to watch barrier trials in high definition, mm. it's been a lot of positive improvements in yeah. the time. No, I think, I think the game's completely flying. So. And there's that many different shows on, on different networks promoting racing coming up. And how good this is, this is it, like what we're doing right now. How great is it that we can just yeah. sit down, throw a camera on and put it up on YouTube in high definition? And, um, you know, it's yeah, given like 10, 15 years ago, we would never be able to do this. We 20 need the, years ago. Uh, we need the Sky One replays to come in high definition. That's all the ones that aren't covered by 528. That's a pet hate of mine. Yeah, it's um, feedback. Just, yeah. just take that back to Sky. Well, they do have it because the pubs and clubs all have... HD, yeah. Sky 1 and 2. So. And we also need the feed quicker. We shouldn't have to wait so long. Yeah, that's true. Yep, that, that would be helpful. Yeah, the uh, the delay. Yeah. yeah. Especially yeah. as Foxtel pushed to internet Foxtel. Mm. Sort of, now. They yeah. want you to 15 seconds is like the – yeah, it's pretty frustrating if you're Well, that delay late. seems to be the price that we pay to actually have that high de- uh, that crisp vision. Mm. Right. So that's the downside of the right. delay that's okay. attached to it. Right. Like even from a caller's point of view, we're – the presenter crosses and you often hear that long, long delay. Yeah, thanks, Marto. Yeah. Mm. Um, right. It's because of, okay. Yeah. And is it parts of the game you think we can do better? Well, probably tracks with poor camera angles, for instance. That, yeah, okay. I agree with that. Even Hawkesbury. <laughs> well, Flemington's bad. It's like, isn't Flemington that's not on the... Yeah, sorry. Flemington's not on well, the... Until they go past the clock tower or whatever, if it's a straight race. But off, am I right in no, saying like the, 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 the yeah, camera angle? Yeah, I often find the, the, the Flemington angles a little bit Yeah, confusing. But if we, can't, if we can't have like a camera on the post at Flemington, like that seems quite unbelievable. Because Hong Kong is right on the post, isn't it? Yes, yeah. that's right. Yeah. And uh, for instance, the Happy Valley, the broadcast box is about 25 metres before the post, so it's really hard to call mm. a, a photo finish accurately. Yeah. So you'd always um, look at the big screen in the middle to yeah. call a close photo finish off the TV. And when you're at Randwick, are you right on the finishing post? Or? Uh, pretty much. I'm sort of two boxes down from the judge's box, so yeah. it's not a savage angle. But how, when you're trying to call a photo, are you calling off the TV or are you calling off live uh, Always live. Really? Yeah. So even though you're not flush on the finish line, you still have a go You can still, and you're, you're still pretty accurate, obviously, with the... Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd much rather do that, do it that way. For, like in the example of Happy Valley, I had to through necessity. Yeah. Um, so the, the angle at Roundwick's not too bad. Roundwick, uh, Rose Hill's okay. Canterbury's okay. Warwick Farm gets a little bit tricky. Yeah. Uh, always quite mm. notorious. You've got to tack a bit on for that outside horse yeah. and they're wide apart. Yeah. Hawkesbury's the most challenging. <laughs> <laughs> well, I called there last Wednesday and it was funny, like the judges box there, I'm to the left, the cameraman's to the right. So dead set, what I... S- I see on the TV replay to what I've actually seen live, it's a 90-degree difference. Wow. Yeah. And I'm calling – I casually called the inside horse winning it. Then you look at the TV replay, it looks like it's got beat. Yeah. Well, well I'm not getting fooled by this. <laughs> I'm not falling for this because you just know that you've got to mm. pull about a head back on that outside runner yeah. on that slow-motion replay. But it's a, it's a bit frustrating at certain tracks that yeah. you know, in this day and age yeah, we still yeah. have to deal with that. Yeah. 
Very good. And um, so the bookmaking fraternity these days on course is kind of pretty much dead, which is a shame, but we've now got a really vibrant, super competitive corporate bookmaker um, environment. Do you sort of follow it much and the, the sort of the struggles for market share and what they're all doing? Are you sort of, do you watch it all or do you just sort of? I was sort of aware of it in certain respects. The, the bookmaking on course, um, like there was an era I'd, I'd sort of know every bookie by, by a name and we'd be there having a chat, but I don't spend any time in the betting ring at all now because mm. uh, there's no need to in many respects. It's best to stay on the box, stay focused and just do all your betting on the phone. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's, there's no risk yeah. of me not getting back to call the next race. Yeah, yeah. Everything I want's on the phone. Yeah, and the apps are great, aren't they? They're, well, they're, that's, yeah. yeah, it's... Yeah. <laughs> Where we are now to where we were 10 years ago mm. and the 10 years prior to that, it's been a lot of positive changes. Mm. Mm. That's and you can be sort of out in different environments and have a quiet little hunt there and no one's got any idea what you're doing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm proud. I, love, I get it out though. I'm like, I, I want people to know we're punting. Yeah. We flew down to Melbourne and we're all betting on the plane and the bloke in front was betting as well. Unless you're at a, a dinner or something and you go like this and you go... Yeah. <laughs> What's wrong is your back out? Yeah. yeah. It's always doing those ones, isn't it? Yeah, Richie uh, goes. Richie goes to some of the nicest restaurants in Sydney. Just just puts his phone straight away. His cup. Just, he's not ashamed. Yeah. Straight away. When I was with Mr. Wong the other day, I had it in the middle, and then the waitress came and moved. I was like, "Don't move!" And then she's like, "I have to to put our dim sims down." <laughs> I was like, "Work around it." Like it actually, it got a bit heated. Yeah, not, not surprising. You've got, you've got some anger succulent. issues we need Loud to and address. proud, mate. Loud and proud with your punting. It's, uh, it's, yeah. You see it all the time. You Punters' see lives matter. <laughs> I watch blokes with you know, young kids and definitely the sideways telephone <laughs> is, a, is an angle. And just, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you look around like this and you're like, yeah, I'm fine with it, mate. It's, it's fine. They're not watching okay. Netflix. No, they're they? not. No, yeah. My favourite <laughs> character just did something oh, good. Yeah. Uh, so next question, you said that everyone's been nice to you on Twitter. I will warn you that this question might invoke a bit of that um, angst that you were experiencing in the past. And it surprised me that people get so fired up about it. Who's the best horse in the country, Animo or Nature Strip, in your opinion? Animo. Wow. Okay. Well, Fair I, think, I yeah. think he he generates more excitement because he's going over different distances and I think he's – you know, to win the Cox mm. Plate, that's the accolade that's, yep. that's, that's going to stick with him. Mm. If, we're, if we're asking this question – a month ago, exactly. Mm. Yeah, I probably point. would have said Nature Strip. But he's had two. Fa- did he fail twice yeah. or just once? Lost, lost in the Everest and I shouldn't say failed. Fail, he had two two losses. Yeah, I think it's clear to say now that he has reached his peak. And to I guess the England trip might have just topped the to taken the edge off. So him. he hasn't won since he got back from England. Is that right? Oh, he won first up. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Um, in, in his first lead up, and then he went into the Everest. Yep. After that, so in his second up record. It's a bit of a concern sometimes. I was very, very cautious with him at his first run back because I've just seen when horses go overseas, mm-hmm. then they come back. Sometimes it can take six months or 12 months for them to come right again. Mm. So I thought, I just want to wait and see with Nature Strip. Mm. Then when his first run back, he just tailed them up. Yeah. I thought, oh, this, this so you, is. So you fell into it for the Everest? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think we all did. Yeah, um, he was which, a good run in the Everest, but yeah, he was not, a great run the other fr- week too. Not the freak that he once yeah. was, but mm. um, yeah. But so we had Dan O'Sullivan on the couch, and I asked him. Somehow we asked him that question too, and then I cut it up the little clip and put it out on different social media channels, and it was amazing how fired up people get about it. So, so he said, "Nature strips easily the best horse in the country." It's not even up for debate. Mm. Which is fine. That's his opinion. But then there was a lot of people in the animo crowd. Um, but that was also. Before Pretty, his last yeah. two runs too. Yeah, and then as soon, as soon as he got beat another time, then they everyone came back on bagging again. So he told you it was Animo's better. <laughs> then Animo got beat. Yeah, it's just well, we got spoiled by the Winx era, didn't we? Where yeah. In our lifetime, we've actually saw a horse that was just invincible, uh, unbeatable. So, so on Winx, when she crossed the line, you said in her last start, you said farewell to the greatest of all time. Do you actually believe that? So I'll... Uh, my opinion, like I looked at Farlap and I looked at Winks and I was like, I'm calling her better than Farlap. I don't care what everyone thinks. There it is. There it is. <laughs> it's hard really for any of us to, we can only look at the record of Farlap and, mm. and what he achieved was incredible. And then there's, there's Kingston Town. I think he's. But she's had it. She's better than Kingston Town, right? 
I, I was impressed that Kingston Town could go over any distance yeah. and do the quick backup and like, obviously that horse was quite a freak. But to see a horse win, just win 33 in a row, just every time you turn up you just know she's going to win. It's yeah. just by how far, yeah. basically. So then we talk about other horses like Animose, he's going to get beat plenty of times. Nature Strip yeah. gets beat plenty of times. But mm. it's, it's a different league now. Who's the best? Yeah. Um, that com- the answer to that question probably changes month mm. after month. But do you think in your – everyone's entitled to their opinion. Do you think she's the greatest of all time? So that would mean she's better than Farlap and that kind of stuff? Well, certainly the, the greatest that I've seen. But I was led to make that statement because a lot of old-timers were saying that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Max Presnell, um, yeah. I think that was his opinion. Like guys that have been around. So Max Presnell was saying in, he believed that Winks was superior to Farlap. Yes. Wow, that's awesome. Well, yeah. particularly of, of of all the other generations or ones that he's he's lived through. Yeah. And it was just when older older people were making that remark. Yeah. Just made me think. Well, if I say that, it's it's going to be hard to sort of say no, or it's not an outrageous statement. Yeah. Did you feel part of that story? And you know, it's really lucky for you to be that. And when I mean the story, like there was obviously the owners, um, Peter Teague, and then it was Huey was a big part of it, and Waller, and then, you know, obviously you were just the race caller, but do you kind of feel as though you became part of the story too because you were calling her every single time? And you'd also get a lot of requests from different radio stations or um, mm. newspapers that w- would ring and say, oh, we want to do a story on you. I said, but why? What, yeah. what, what, I'm only calling it. Yeah. But I guess they were they were running out of angles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They had a report yeah. on it. So I was, I was doing a lot of extra commentary about her. Yeah. And there was always that pressure too on the day. You couldn't muck it up. Yeah. Because uh, getting a very big audience now just yeah. tuning in to watch her. So I had to be yeah. – uh, just make sure that what I was planning to, to say, if anything, that it, it came out smoothly. Yeah. And is there no doubt in your mind you'll never – See or call another horse as good as her? I doubt it. Yeah. I can't see it. What do you think, boys? We'll, I don't think we'll ever see in our lifetime. You think not. You think not. But what about when you were calling when Red Excitement kicked kicked ahead on that big on-pace bias track? Did you think she was mm. going to get beat in that yeah, race? Yeah, I, I thought that the she day Red Excitement did that and the day Fox Play yeah. went up the inside. They were the was Fox Play when she stumbled? Yes, yeah. when she remember she stumped, she knuckled yeah. out of the yeah. barriers, right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. And she was five yeah. lengths last, and I remember just making the drama a little bit. The yeah. mayor's missed mm. the start. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just, oh, the drone. So Kings yeah. every single Kings had a hundred thousand on her every single start. What, no matter what the price was, you're put a hundred. He's just like it's just kept saying it's free money, it's free money, like, yeah. and it when it was lucky's like cricket bat. Yeah, <laughs> he says free money a lot. Yeah, you know? he doesn't mean <laughs> it. But, no, no, no. Just, just on calling wings. Like, did you feel the pressure to come up with something new every time that she won? Does it, you know, what I mean, like, was that something that you were pre-planning before the race and stuff like yeah, that? Yeah, quite often I'd think about what's what's the best way to handle it. And sometimes you, I mean, you might think about it in advance, but when it actually gets to going past the post, it's out of your mind, or you or you've forgotten it. Mm. But I think a lot of the time, because she was winning three chipping Nortons, four chipping Nortons, that sort of took care of itself just as build yeah. the timeline, build the sequence of, of all her achievements. Mm. And then probably um, call it, describing her as the queen of racing and then a silver jubilee moment or something just to give her that royal sort of... Mm. What was uh, that? Hoity, Hoity, what was that one? Hoity and something? Oh, uh, Haughty and Imperious. Yeah. <laughs> which some people were just convinced I said horny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Imperious is oh, a great we all, like we all like to get the first leg of a quarter anyway. I think so. um, <laughs> Stephen Fletcher may have been the inspiration behind that. Yeah, you're a bit of a... Imperious. That oh, really? sounds like his kind of language. Yeah, it yeah. came, came from a Netflix series or something, I'm sure. But um, yeah, Fletcher was one of the... Uh, he was at Sky Channel too. Yeah. Many many good punters have come through Sky Channel. Yeah, were you working with Fletch? Yeah, he worked in the numbers room when, yeah. well, when I was doing night shifts there. Yeah. Yeah, because you're the, still very friendly with him now, aren't you? Yes. Yeah. Could you yeah. see him building his little empire back then and you, you oh, knew yes. he was going to be a yes. big player one day? Oh, very smart operator. Mm. He, he'd have phones this side, this side, and he's putting <laughs> the numbers in running and then there's something right there. He'd be, Didn't you call yeah. him phones or earphones? What, what did people call him? He always had something in his ear. I think he had some nickname back in Sky. Oh, I'm trying to think now. Uh, but I'll tell you what, he was a damn good operator. Yeah, I think there. he still is. He's Headphones still, or he something. He multitask. Yeah. Mm. yeah, he's good with numbers. Um, and then sort of last question from us and then we've got a couple of questions from the listeners. But So what do you do to get away from the great game? Obviously, 
you love it like we all do, but what kind of things do you do? I, I've been, I live in Kingston, so I've been down at Centennial Park a lot and I've seen you occasionally just walking around there having some time out. Is that one of the things you like to do, get down the park and just... No, oh, that was only during COVID. Right. And the pubs were closed. <laughs> <laughs> well, the Doncaster Hotel was closed, wasn't it? <laughs> yes. Just, just to confirm, are you on a cash for comment deal with Charles at the Doncaster? Because oh. I, I know when the horses go via the Cape, you say, you know, this one's gone via the Doncaster Hotel every now and then. Let's go straight to questions then. It wasn't that. Uh, yeah, there was, Tim Armstrong, this could be the catch eh? comment. Tim Armstrong said, question for <laughs> at Hong Kong Darren, is the Doncaster into Churchill's your go for a Sunday afternoon pub crawl? So my local's Churchill's, I live on Middle Street. Which oh, is right. Only when you break the pokies, Tim. Yeah, Tim Armstrong, great cricketer. He played for Western Australia. Yep. And East, yeah, yeah. He's awesome. a Doncaster local. Great. Good man. We need to do a podcast from the Doncaster. The Doncaster oh. got a lot of... A lot yeah, of no, we can get it done. Yeah. With five microphones. Sorry about the microphones. Yeah, I don't. All my mates have been bagging me as I well. Know. This is for it's you boys it's, as well. But look, you look so cute there. <laughs> Tweedledee and Tweedledum. Um, <laughs> right, yeah, so we've got some questions. Uh, the great Clint Hutchison from Racing.com and is also... Was he over in Hong Kong a lot when you were there? Uh, we worked together. Yeah. Yeah, for... Yeah, many, many years. We <laughs> did the the Racing to Win show, which is the yep. equivalent of Formline. Mm-hmm. And we, if I wasn't calling, we'd do the presenting with him mm-hmm. in the booth. And, yeah, we, we both uh, did the form in a similar manner. So, yep. you know, so winning day, we'd normally both win or yeah, both lose together. Winners. Yes. Yeah. So he's asked, um, ask Hong Kong Darren about the time John Moore asked him if he'd won the last on the card in a tight photo, in brackets, it relates to a six-up. Mm. No idea what he's talking about. You want to tell us? So John Moore's the very famous trainer over there. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, very who's successful. Who's the son of George Moore, who's one of the most famous yes. jockeys in Australia, who rode Tullock and was very in tight with Tommy Smith. Correct? That's right. Yeah. yeah that's so, the background. Yeah. One of the most successful trainers in Hong Kong of all time. Still John there Moore. training now? No. Um, His son's taken over. No. Um, no. They wanted that arrangement, but right. it didn't happen. Yeah. And John. Um, was mandatorily retired, reaching the age of 70. Right. They, they kick you out when you're 70. Well, it was 65. Right. And, they, and he's went to 70 and they said... Yeah, they, I think they changed the rules to um, help John size out a bit. Right. Because for, for a long time, it seemed to be a rather situ- stupid situation. To get to 65, you have to retire. Yeah. And all the legendary Chinese trainers had to do it. And, but then they, they pushed it back a bit further. Mm. But in regards to John Moore and the... Um, big six, triple trio betting was very exciting in Hong Kong because you could win millions out of it. Mm. Well, the big six, um, if it wasn't one one meeting, then there'd be a jackpot to the next and then the pools would really start to build up. Well, this night at Happy Valley, I'm presenting with Clint and there was a good jackpot in the big six and mm-hmm. I've, I've had a fair go at it. <laughs> and... I've, I've found a few good price winners. I had one at $21, another at $30. And it all gets down to this last leg and I've got this even money favourite. Wow. High savvy. Well. And, and like, can you win a million dollars if it wins? Is yes. It? Wow. I was, I was estimating I'm in for was half a million to a million dollars. Wow. And here. do you mind how much you'd be outlaid? Like a few thousand bucks uh, or something? Actually, in, in Aussie dollars, probably about a thousand. Wow. Right. Yeah. Okay. I thought I've got every combination going that I need need to have. Wow. Anyhow, it scoots clear at the 200 metres. And you, oh, come on, come on. Then you can see something coming down the outside and right on the post it's been nailed, right <laughs> on the line by the John Moore trained Charles the Great. Anyhow, John's come rushing up to me all sort of... Hysterical and that, Dad, Daz, Daz, did we get there? I said, I crush you! Like that. And the look on his face, I was just—I just couldn't take it. Yeah, because so I, you lost I've never in my life had a bet going for so much yeah. money, and I've had it in my hand, and then it was taken away right at the end. <laughs> oh. oh, and to have someone that's got millions, and yeah. <laughs> wanting to know if they got the photo. Yeah, yeah well, I, think, yes. I think that's fair enough. So, so uh, Hutch, was Hutch, did Hutchie see it live? Um, yeah, he was—he was informed of my uh, demeanour. Yeah, yeah. I—I <laughs> well, I fully can. Condone it. I think it's fine the way you handle yourself. I'd be the same. So. so you reckon your call was still? I, okay? was, I wasn't actually calling oh, you that calling. day. Yeah, I was presenting. So I was going to say, if you were Hutch calling. and I worked in a, uh, in a booth yeah. together, but okay. because it was the last race of the night, I'd always have to go downstairs and we'd go on camera. 
yep. just to do a wrap up of the night. Yeah. I'll tell you what, that was the quickest wrap up of the night. Correct quote on the last that you yeah. can have you <laughs> <laughs> Do you still think about it? Like occasionally just pop in your mind that the one. Oh, uh, it was actually 10 years ago. I think yeah. I'm sort of over it until. Yeah. People I brought it up now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Get on your hutchie. Yeah, <laughs> um, There'll be a square up. Um, uh, so this is from Shane. Sure. He says, be keen to hear how influenced his calling style is from the great David Raphael and his time calling uh, in Hong Kong. In my opinion, Dave Raphael was the best caller I've seen. He was an outstanding caller. Um, I was surprised when he just gave the game away mm. calling altogether, but he's had a lot of success doing his bloodstock work. Mm. And I think one of his greatest calls was the, the year I first got there, the 99-mile uh, Sunline and, and Fairy King Prawn. Yes, uh, I That was one that. of the greatest races mm. I ever saw there and it was one of the greatest calls as well. Yep. Um, Sunline won, yeah? Yes. Yep. Yeah. Yep. There was a, God, there was a lot of, lot of debate that week. Yeah. Mm. And Do I you remember any, what the betting was? Uh, God. It was almost wasn't, $3.00. $3 yeah, three dollars each, each or something, yeah. and then millions the next. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was just they were both they were both backable. The mm. local would have been much shorter there on the toad, I think. That's right. Yeah, yeah. That's, and that Sunline would have been shorter here. Yeah, but um, I was probably influenced by him a, li- a little bit. He, he always captured the big moments really mm. well, yeah. David. So I'd say yeah. I was very mindful of that. Yep. Yeah, you, you've got to yeah. try and capture the moment. Yeah. And yeah. He was the master of it. Yeah. Yeah. Are there other people from other sports you'd listen to or try to emulate with your calling style? I've sort of just tried to be into individual, mm. uh, have my own style. I think there's probably a lot of an Ian Craig style about me mm. in, in your typical mm-hmm. type of call because I just grew up listening to him and yeah. sort of yeah. revered the man yeah. mm. and yeah. worked with him often in the box in, a, in an assistant role. So there's probably a lot of Ian Craig influence <laughs> on me. Yeah, yeah. And those older callers, do you... Catch up with them, like John Tapp and those? Yes. Um, we we had a lunch yeah. uh, in May. So Tappy, Ian Craig and Paul Ambrosoli. Yeah. The only one that couldn't make it, he ended up getting COVID the day before, was Graham McNeese. Yeah. And we actually had a, the, the Doncaster Beautiful. hotel just <laughs> upstairs for, for convenience. Yeah. <laughs> there you go, cash for comment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Cha-ching>. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and watching Paul Ambrosoli after the lunch downstairs. Now, this, this race at Gunnadar here, oh, geez, I think the one's going to be hard to beat here. Straight back into it. Yeah, yeah. straight into awesome. it. Awesome, awesome. Um, now, we've got one Calling from royalty. Nikita Mazepin. Uh, Favourite call and favourite horse? Favourite call for sure is the, the 2017 TJ, Chautauqua. Yeah, yeah. And I guess he'll he'll have to go down as my favourite horse, horse as well because he, he sort of defined my career a fair bit, I guess. It was yeah. it's a call that's been well played yeah. and uh, I'm sure when I'm gone I'll be remembered for that one. Yeah, awesome. just a Just a question on that. Do you think that call sort of raised your profile amongst a lot of the racing community, especially the younger people and yes. the younger generation, you know, th- those three back-to-back calls? Yeah, I think it's uh, – it had a very positive influence. Mm. Yeah, because I know there's a there's a song remixed um, on one on that on that call. <laughs> is there that is, sick? yeah, there is. If you go on SoundCloud, you might find it. Yeah. So. And did you think he was gone? Like in your you think oh, he won't be winning today? Well, I, I really just thought our oh, English is home. Yeah. And it was just <laughs> is that. Cause you, that's because you backed it. <laughs> well, a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just that final check that you know, as a punter, you always have that negative feeling. What's mm. going to get me? What's yeah. going to get me? And then yeah, I look yeah, around yeah. and oh, here he they is. They always do. Yeah. Yes, that's right. There's always yeah. one. Uh, but I don't know. What about the horses that come out of the pack with 80 metres to go when you're in front by three and you just mm. – happens all the time every You'd day. You'd already called that one. You'd called it home as well, that I one. Call, three, yeah. <laughs> I call them home. Three three what about – I got one from um, from Wolf Dan, Andrew Bomber, F1 Bomber. He's on Wolf Dan. He wants to know what's one of the craziest things you've seen on a racetrack. Um, <laughs> might take you a bit of time to <laughs> think about that. Um, anything bizarre. Bizarre on the racetrack. We had a big python that came into the <laughs> into the mounting yard at Chartin one day. Which wow! Was, I thought you were going to say like Gundagai or something. I didn't think you no, it was at Chartin. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was quite a kerfuffle. Yeah. <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> Long delay. Wow. Okay. Wow. Okay. <laughs> was the what's the scene like socially at the races in Hong Kong? Was it a party scene like it is here and a big day at at Ramwick or no, Melbourne, not or so it? much. Um, 
private boxes are very okay. popular, but you wouldn't sort of just hang out at a bar as such okay. uh, there. I thought someone may have brought the python in. You and know, <laughs> it was a, a bucks night and also a bucks day. Oh, the, the funny scenes in Hong Kong, because most people just go there to bet. Mm. Um, the party scene would be what you've seen on TV at Happy Valley on Wednesday nights, the okay. beer garden. Yeah. yeah. Really popular yeah. with the Westerners. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah, even yeah. With, the, with the locals as well. Yeah. That was just, that's something that started with a small patch of synthetic grass and then it just got bigger and bigger and bigger and it became the place to be. On a Wednesday night, yeah. But the the vast majority of local punters they go there just to bet. Okay. Yeah. They're armed with a newspaper and their pen, cash, all, yeah. all business, Pumped. just straight yes. business. Because it seems like here it's mostly about partying. Like you know, especially yeah. for the, the young fellas, you know, the um the serious heads seem to have gone away from the track. You know, they leave it to the well, that, yeah. There's a push to there's a push to get away from um, cash at the race course these days. Like you can't you even know. buy food with it now. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it's just changed it all. I think um, any bets over ten thousand dollars need to be written down. Everyone signs, bookie signs, the punter signs. So that's uh, yeah. I think what you find a lot of the on course bookies miss all that sort of big money that used to flow in randomly yeah. during the week. Yeah. Mm. But without that kind of atmosphere, you wouldn't have the people going. I wouldn't think just yeah. to for the races, so to speak. I don't know. Yeah. Wherever you, it's better to bet on your phone. Yeah. Mm. Like we could sit here, put those two TVs on. Bet on our phone for the afternoon. Like, mm. It's better than, to be honest, it's better than going to the races. What about your love for rugby league, West Tigers? Poor West Tigers supporter. Yes. So I'll just, mm. I'll just jump in. There's a question from Twitter. Yep. Ask Hong Kong Darren. This is a tough question. You probably can't answer it. How can the Tigers be prominent and a prominent force in the NRL? Prominent force. Oh. <laughs> they want a lot, these, these, these listeners. I'm going to keep my expectations low. I'm pleased to see the draw that... The first Sunday, round one, Leichhardt Oval, Sunday yep. afternoon. So you'll be there? Round, yes, yes, definitely. Yep. Because I'll be full of optimism. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're undefeated so far. That's right. Uh, things, things can only, only improve. I'm, I'm just mind-blown by this Jackson Hastings business that yeah. we're not keeping him. Yeah, yeah. Oh. That, that really does. But isn't that what in. they do? Like anyone who's got a bit of talent, they like let him go. Well, like I was Pappenhaus and was, Tedesco. I've been really dirty on them letting Jock Madden go uh-huh. to the Broncos because I know he hasn't made a name for himself yet. I feel confident in the years to come he'll he'll go to a certain yep. certain level. Mm. And we've just let him go. They suppressed him. He played a handful of first grade games. Now Jackson Hastings. I'm not sure if he's staying. Another season of Luke Brooks at the at the number seven. We mm. we know exactly what we're in for there. Yeah. And so do you watch them every weekend? Do you? Uh, yeah, most, most of the time, yeah. 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 I found probably my interest in rugby league sort of spiked even more during COVID because it really gave you something to look yeah. forward to. Yeah. Thursday, Friday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's yeah. And Sunday. That's all we had, wasn't it? It was great, yeah. yeah. And Centennial Park. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sometimes you need a long walk at Centennial Park after watching a Tigers game just to like yeah. oh. blow off some steam. But I guess, down. Matt, we're going to be – We've got to be hopeful that yeah. you know, Tim Sheens has, has done it before and yep. Yep. Benji's a, a proper Tigers man. There's, mm. there's going to be a passion there and yeah. I'm not sure how much we will improve but there's got to be some improvement. The point I want to make about Benji is that I was quite surprised when he took that role up because you see him in the media. He's obviously very busy with all his media stuff and doing really well and then I heard them say on NRL 360, oh, Benji's going to possibly take the... Tigers role, and I was like, that's just NRL 360 bullshit. They're just saying that to try mm. and make you watch for the night. And then a couple of days later, it was announced that he was really doing it. And the thing that struck me is how competitive he is. Like, he's just, you know, he, he didn't need to go and t- coach the Tigers, but he obviously s- is still super competitive and has wants to win and has to win. Mm. So hopefully that becomes a positive for the Tigers and he can install that. But there's the- a long tradition of very good rugby league players not being successful coaches. Um, that's my only concern. Obviously, he's great IP, understands the game immensely, great Tigers man. But mm. traditionally, it's those kind of middle-rung ex-players who make the best coaches. Mm. Um, but it'll be interesting to see how he goes. And obviously, I like the fact that he's doing his two years prior. Yeah, apprenticeship, apprenticeship machines, yeah. Which makes more sense. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know someone quite close to him and like a lot of players are calling Benji saying, like, that's a great move and... Now I'm interested in coming to yeah, your, yeah. your awesome. join because we didn't really have much going for us for a long time. <laughs> but at least we've got Benji now. So. I love the optimism just slowly bubbling up. It'll take time, but it's better than... I think yeah. I might go and book my ticket now. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and it's like I'd have all 
on a Sunday afternoon watching the footy, one of the fa- your favourite yeah, places in the it. world. I love it. Mm. It's it's just simple. I catch up. Um, see, my cousin was Wayne Wiggum, played first grade back in the eighties there. So I always go with him and his sons. It's so it's mm. bound to catch up once or twice a year, and it's there on the hill at Leichhardt. I like that social atmosphere mm. that you can sort of come and go, chit chat with people. And did you go a lot in the glory days when you had Blocker and Wayne Pierce, yes. and Kerry Hemsley, and the yeah, Wiz and Ellery so. Hanley, who else was in that sure. great side? Mick O'Neill. Mick O'Neill. Gary Jack. Can Gary, we talk about Gary the field Jack. goal, the 89? Can you still hear the noise of Benny Elias's field goal hitting oh. the crossbar? I remember at the end of the game, I just sat there. I was in a coma at the at the end of the ground and my mates said, come on, let's go. I said, listen, I just – I can't. Needs to be <laughs> Leave me alone. I was just <laughs> so distraught this by everything. The footy stadium, right? It was just yeah, footy stadium. Brand new yeah. Sydney football yeah. stadium. If you yeah. – yeah. Actually, you can still hear it reverberating, <laughs> that noise of the it hitting the – oh, mate, unbelievable. How good was rugby league back then? That was, oh, the, yeah, I it was magic it. then. It wasn't, was. Yeah, it was that it, were the it best. It had it all. Yeah, yeah. Um, we've got one last question from Hao Zhang from On The Danny. Um, good question. We've talked a lot about Hong Kong and it's related to Hong Kong. How hard is it to bet into Hong Kong markets if you didn't have a rebate? Well, my answer would be it's very hard. I mean, it's very hard to bet into any tote market without a rebate and – consistently make money. I mean, there's not many not many people who can do it really, is there? That's the reality of it. Yeah, well, the, it's funny you brought Jelko's name up before. I met him once at uh, Royal Ascot uh-huh. over there and I, he's, he was very focused on the word rebate. It was yeah. simply the only <laughs> word that kept coming out of his mouth. Rebate, rebate, rebate. Yeah, mm. um, yeah it's, it's, it's obviously, it's quite big. I'm trying to think. I think it's 10,000 Hong Kong dollars. You get a 10% rebate. You get a 10% rebate. Yeah, yeah. Um, And then he also asked me, why did Betfair shut down their product for Hong Kong? I don't know if you ever knew that, but Betfair started betting on it. Um, Well, I think they just didn't have approval. Is that right? So I remember what happened. They, so they didn't get approval. Hong Kong Jockey said, said no. And they said, and then Betfair Australia said, we don't mind. We're going to do it. We think we've got rights to do it. So they started betting on it and then, Betfair HQ in – so then Hong Kong Jockey Club contacted Betfair HQ in London. England yeah. yeah, and said, hey, pull Australia in the line. Mm-hmm. Betfair HQ called Australia and said, stop betting on it. So, so it's funny when they when they resumed that – what was it, two or three years ago? Betfair on, on yeah. Hong Kong. Mm. It only lasted, I think, a matter of weeks. Yeah, and it, it never got going. It, was, it wasn't much liquidity on there. It just No, was, that's right. Yeah. It, it just, was yeah, – Everyone was excited was. about it and just – just didn't work. So, and then yeah. I recall during the Silent Witness era in Hong Kong, talking about champions, that mm. always just built up an amazing yeah. winning sequence, seventeen it, in it, a row. Yeah, it never got beat, right? Uh, it eventually did. Yeah, uh, when it stepped up to a mile. So, and did you call all of that? All of those? Um, no, that was David Raphael had right. all the honours there. Yeah. Um, and when it finally did get rolled, it was the stablemate that that yeah. knocked him off. But uh, remember, Betfair was sort of just starting around then, and they right. were. Betting on Hong Kong because I remember laying silent witness on a yeah. number of occasions at a dollar ten. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it was <laughs> sort of that um, same situation of for those that probably laid winks every time she went yeah. around you. You just yeah. can't believe they can keep on. Yeah, winning. yeah, for sure. Um, all right, I think anyone anything else Good. to add, no. mate? No, no. Any more Doncaster stories? No Doncaster stories. No, no, all good. Awesome. Well, mate, thank you very much. We, we all really enjoyed this. It was, it was good fun. And um, many more winners. And, uh, yeah, just keep doing the great job you're doing. All right. Thank cheers. You Thanks much. for having us. Thanks, Darren. Uh, Thanks for coming in. Go Tigers. Go Tigers. <laughs> Optimism. March 1. See you later, everyone at home. Thanks for watching along. Um, we appreciate your support. Till next time. See you. Cheers. Bye. See you, guys.